Pickaxe. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thanks for dropping into the cast party. Join the cast and crew as they are zoinked from their Hollywood film set into the crazy world of Dungeons and Dragons. And action! Alright, so like everybody and their moms knows the government and high society is full of lizard people. Like that stopped being a secret in the early 2000s. So I did a book report on it in like sixth grade and the teachers ended up being like, this isn't a book report. You made all of this up. And I was like, bitch, I did so much reading and research for this. And like 85% of it was from a book. And then she had to be like, well, that's not really what the assignment was. You were supposed to read a book and report on what the book told you. And I said, well, I'm so sorry that I learned critical thinking skills and put them to work to write a better report than Sarah over there who read Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep and then wrote the book said yes. Like clearly Sarah didn't do the assignment either because that book has nothing to do with robotic livestock. And the teacher's like, so you read that book too? Why didn't you write your report on that? And I said, because it freaked me out. My parents failed the Turing test and I wasn't mentally prepared to deal with what that meant so I shifted my mental faculties to a project that would properly distract me from the crushing reality that my parents were kidnapped and replaced with androids. Now at this point, you're probably thinking, wow, you had a really impressive vocabulary for a 12 year old and that's because I'm embellishing the dialogue. That's called storytelling. But anyway, this whole interaction is what led me to believe that not every person in the government and that has money is a lizard person. A lot of them are actually androids. Which is kind of like a robot for anyone that doesn't know. Just more like um, like humanoid, I guess. And like at first I was freaked. But then I realized like nothing was actually different. Like even though my parents were androids, they still acted like my parents. And I noticed zero changes, in fact. So if the androids are doing perfect replacements and the horrors of reality aren't any better or worse, I don't have a lot of trouble with it. So basically the point I want to get to is that if Bradless the robo-homies evolved to the point of a perfect replication of the people of Fendrea and isn't planning a robo-revolution, then I'm all for it. Like, uh, uh, no robo, right? But, like, I, I have loved androids, and you probs can too. Wait, Jet, don't walk away from me. I'm trying to have a conversation with you. Did you get the no robo joke? Come on, man. We did it! Well, you guys did it! Thank you all so, so much for helping us achieve our very first Patreon stretch goal of 100 patrons. Xander's now-canon alien abduction one-shot is on its way and is exclusive to our cast and crew over on our Patreon. Now for the new stretch goals to keep this incredible community growing. When we hit 150 members of the cast and crew, we will be filming Jet-inspired 80s-style workout videos for you all to sweat with Jet, alongside exclusive workout-themed Jet-inspired merch. And at 200 patrons, we will be running a super special one-shot accompanied with live video recordings based on Through the Realms of Myria. You'll experience the entire movie plot and its characters in the movie that the cast and crew were filming when they got teleported to Fendrea. So head on over to patreon.com slash castparty and become an official part of our cast and crew. You'll receive so many exclusive goodies, like access to hours upon hours of bonus content, an invite to our community Discord, where we host live listening parties and community-run games, as well as entry into our merch giveaway that we do for every Cast Party episode. Speaking of, this episode's merch giveaway winner is... Chase! We'll be dropping an exclusive piece of themed merch for the release of Xander's Alien Abduction One-Shot, so be sure to keep your eyes peeled for it at cast-party.myshopify.com. 
shirts, hoodies, stickers, and so much more over at cast-party.myshopify.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Enjoy the episode, cast and crew. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cast Party. My name is Colin McManus, and I will be your director for today. I am joined by my underground cast and crew, Ryan McManus. Hi, Sebastian Vivaldi Greensleeves, an emo and heart musician who, like he told Xander last episode, has indeed died in his dream before. One time, he dreamt about loading his gear into a venue up an endless flight of stairs, forced to carry his enormous amp up the never-ending steps. He could see the venue door in the distance, but it kept getting further and further until his arms finally gave out and the amp sent him tumbling. The amp landed on him at the bottom and killed him instantly. He remembers waking up and sitting with Daisy in a very dark void before actually waking up, drenched in sweat. How big of an amp does he carry? Isn't that the Sisyphus thing? Sisyphus is just like, he's constantly pushing it. Pushing the boulder and it keeps on going up the mountain. Yeah. Oh, then yeah. (laughs) And a Brisbane. Blueberry Sky, whose favorite Disney movie is Pocahontas, for reasons you can probably guess, but somehow, who knows how, has never in her life seen a Pixar movie. What? What? I feel like she's in a Pixar movie. (laughs) Her life is a Pixar movie. I gotta admit, not a big Pocahontas guy, more of a Mulan Mulan guy. Mulan? I'm a Mulan guy myself. (laughs) It's the Bollywood version of Mulan. (laughs) And we also have Bollywood star Nigel Deacon. He would be. (laughs) I do love Bollywood. What's cracking? Xander Gucci Supreme, who took four semesters of botany classes in college and was only a few credits away from a minor in it. He told all of his friends it was because of weed, you know, like haha, 420 blades. But he was secretly hoping to learn the medicinal properties of various types of plants, as well as what plants he could survive on out in the wilderness if he ever needed to. He learned a whole lot, but at the risk of being considered a quote-unquote plant nerd by his frat brothers, he never continued that side of his education and promptly repressed everything botanical he ever knew. I didn't even know Xander was in a frat. Did we? Maybe this is the first time I've officially said it. He would be a frat boy. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what was his fraternity? Delta Ligma Pi? It it was (laughs) Sigma Ligma Phi, actually. (laughs) Vince Perino. Jet the Bolter Chambers, Big Burly Heartthrob. So fun facts about Jet. Back when he was starting to get into shape and he was getting into cooking and everything like that, he really wanted to fine tune his culinary skills. One of the first things he started to cook was a lot of rice and he mastered his rice cooking and he slowly turned it into artful rice. And the one thing that he makes at least one day every week is the sleeping rice bear with the egg blanket. Dog you. It is his favorite meal. He makes mama bear and then he makes baby bear for pebbles. Oh, oh cute. Very cute. That's adorable. Did you know that the ancient Chinese believed that if a vampire came across a sack of rice, it would have to stop and count every grain? No, oh, no way. way. That's so cool. <laughs> that is the coolest fact I've heard all week. Are you kidding me? We need rice now, uh, just in case. <laughs> Bro. Let's talk about what happened last time. You spoke with Potix in the Steel Reserve as he opened the safe to show you his plans, as well as you were greeted by BRAD, a sentient forge powered by Silerium. You chatted with Brad after identifying yourselves as friends and not intruders. You riffed a little bit, chatted with him. Podix showed you his blueprints for a giant forge he hoped would be able to use the communication core he had created to control the rest of these monstrosities in Berndarium. You chose some improvements for the forge and headed to bed for the night, some of you spooning with Brad, and you all awoke feeling refreshed and stronger at level 8. Potix had Keith carry all of his new contraptions to add to the forge in a large metal basket as you all set off for the fire pit. You stealthily moved through the abandoned city and narrowly missed an altercation with a large wasp-like forged, continued to the fire pit where just outside in the courtyard was a large herd of various four-legged forged. With the help of a summoned rabbit from Blueberry, you were able to make it into the fire pit and close the doors. Watching a hole and moving some anvils helped prepare the fire pit before Potix started the machine with a loud sound. Scorpions started burrowing from under the ground, 
Nomura's scared one coming up from a hole as the herd outside headed towards the door and began ramming it. You were able to all swiftly take out the scorpions, and when the door finally succumbed to the pressure of the herd outside, Sebastian plugged into Brad's posterior port and sent a thunderous belch of raspberry jelly, pushing the herd back and Jet's neurotoxic net with it. You were able to obliterate the rest of the scorpions as well as the remaining herd when Jet noticed another stampede of these beasts was headed right for the door. With a metal snap, the beast ceased moving. Potix was amazed his creation had worked and wanted to use this newfound power to destroy the magistrate as well as those in Drifton for exiling him. He commanded Brad to attack you, though Brad refused. Rebuttal was difficult with the added armor plating, but with the help of Brad pulling off the door to the chassis where Potix was hiding, you were quickly able to take control of the situation. Finally, Blueberry turned the Titan into a large toad, where inside, Potix was killed by stomach acid. As the toad turned back into the Titan, the forged herd outside wandered confused. Jet gave the communication core to Brad, and Brad instantly felt connection to all of the forged in Berndarium. His life force, Silerium, was powering all of the other forged in Berndarium. He used the core to influence all of the other forged to stop their evolution, yet allow them to reproduce and live in Berndarium undisturbed. Brad, the new papa, gave you all front spoons, and a beautiful picture was taken with all of you. You said your goodbyes as you started to leave Berndarium. Now, you are walking through the city, forged around you, being non-hostile and just kind of chillin', heading toward the front entrance of Berndarium. As you are just about to that entrance, you hear a familiar sound behind you. It sounds like the whir of Keith, the flying eyeball, is coming up to you. And so the scene is set. The question is, what will you do next? Keith? Is everything okay? Hey, buddy. You all turn around. Keith currently has a small metal basket hanging from it. It moves closer to you and detaches the metal basket by your feet. You can see inside is a handwritten note as well as some objects. I will take the note and eventually the objects, I guess, depending on what they are. (laughs) (laughs) You grab the note, Xander, and this is what it says. Dudes. Papa told me that sometimes people give each other presents. I don't know what the flesh pile is like, but I thought you might like this garbage I found a long time ago. Signed, Brad. (laughs) Garbage. In this basket are two items as well as a bag. The first item you see is a necklace. It's made out of old broken metal that has a symbol imbued on it. Uh, I'm torn between Xander's love for drip and his love for fashion because like the bag he'd be like oh I want that bag but the drip with the jewelry he might go for that he's not wearing anything right now what's the difference I thought it was the same thing um that's why you aren't very fashionable buddy sorry (laughs) what is is drip versus fucking what what anyway what what does the bag look like the bag looks like a pouch of gold Okay, well, then Xander's going to take the necklace with the broken metal, because that sounds lit. Xander, you put that on, you can see that the symbol on it... Actually, give me nature. Nature. Twelve. You can see that this is some sort of alchemical symbol. It looks like two alchemical symbols that have been conjoined together. Around it has these vines with flowers adorning this symbol. And as you put it on, Xander... You just feel this sharp, heating pain in your lower back. Uh, oh, why? What is that? And it's gone. Um, oh, okay. You okay, dude? What's going on? Uh, I don't know. Some I got, like, bone spurs in my spine or something when I put this on. You should see someone about that. Who am I going to see? We're, we're in a cave. Did it go away? You okay? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm good now, bro. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. If I feel my back, does it feel any different at all, like, with my hand? Feels kind of warm right now, but it feels like skin. Blueberry, your passive perception is 15. So with your high passive perception, Blueberry, as he's rubbing his back, you can see that there is, um, there's ink on his back now. Oh my god. Oh no. Nice. (laughs) Did he get a tramp stamp? (laughs) What is this? 
What? What is what? When did this happen? Xander, have you always had that? What? Had what? What's this ink? Ink? Look more carefully at it. As you look at it, Blueberry, it is the symbol from the necklace that is burned into just above his butt crack on his lower back. And the flowers are slowly changing colors. What? <gasps> this is Mordecai's tramp stamp. Oh, uh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> How big is it? I'm so excited. What the fuck? So this was at our biannual Patreon one-shot. The patrons created this item as they helped save Berndarium for the first time. Xander, you now have an AC of 18. What the fuck? Yo, dude. That's sick. (laughs) I thought you, didn't you say you felt weird about tattoos? What is you, excuse me? Can you take it off? Here, here, here. Give give, give me your camera real quick. I'll take a picture. I'll hand him the camera. Wait, do a video. It's changing. It's changing? Ooh, what? I'll change it to the video setting and and try to take a video of it. You're able to catch that color change. Very much like an LED keyboard. It just slowly glows from one color to another. Um, who gave me a tattoo? I was asleep. We were all asleep. Who did this? Buddy, you were just saying your back hurt right in that spot. And? It's the same thing that's on your necklace. It's probably something to do with that. Could have just happened. Oh. What happens if you take it off? Uh, good question. I'll take it off. You take it off, and you still have ink burned into your skin. (gasps) Well, maybe it fades. I am still recording this whole time as well. Just kind of doing like a vlog. Maybe it'll fade overnight. You know, I, I've heard of these, like, plant ink semi-permanent tattoos that w- that last, like, a few weeks and just sinks, like, into the top layers of your skin, but it, it fades eventually. Hmm. At least keep the necklace on. It's It matches. You're all about matching stuff, right? Yeah, that's true. All right, fuck it. I'll put it back on, and I guess there's nothing I can do about it now. Sorry, cannibals. All right, here. Let me let me let me show you the let me show the video of it. Oh yeah, does anything happen in the video? In the video, Xander, you start to hear Jet talking and everything as normal. You see the word Blightmore glowing in your new tramp stamp. The vines make Blightmore, and it changes with the color of the flowers. Whoa. And with that, Xander, Jet's still recording as you're talking stuff and you're kind of just watching. And as he pulls back, he sees all of you. And your hand is on the bejeweled dagger at your side, though you weren't holding it at the time. Um, okay. There's some freaky shit going on, boys and Blueberry. Uh, all right, it's going to be fine. Everything's fine. I'm not weirded out. And we also, what else, what else is in the bucket? You look over to the bucket. Um, this one's weird. It's a long staff. At the end of the staff, there's a goblinoid skull stuck onto the top of it. But in the forehead of this goblinoid skull, it looks like it was impacted with some sort of hammer. And the impact almost looked like it made the symbol of the magistrate. Oh, um, Ooh. Blueberry, you trying to like try staff this? What? This looks scary. Sebastian, I mean, you you're metal as fuck, right? Like, you should probably take that. It's kind of cool. I don't have a skull yet. I'll grab it. It's got the magistrate on it. Yeah, may- maybe it's just a coincidence, though. What if it's a spying staff? <gasps> as you kind of spend some time with it, you can feel that there are. You don't want to say spirits, but you kind of want to say spirits inside it. It feels like you could call upon some help with this staff. Guys, I hear voices in this thing. What? Yo, welcome to the club, bro. You also hear voices? Like, all the time? Uh, I mean, no. Just sometimes. Are you sure you're okay, man? I'm good, bro. I mean, how you doing? Are you good? And I'm going to dap him up. I, I have I dapped you before? I don't I don't think so. Welcome to the resistance, bro. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Sebastian, as you kind of feel this, it actually almost feels like you have 
path detect thoughts, and almost all of them are about destroying the magistrate and how much all of these things that are in here hate the magistrate. Oh, yo, guys. Okay, these guys are these guys are on our side. Wow, that's vulgar. Oh my god. Okay, um, these guys <laughs> really don't like the magistrate. These guys. There's a lot of them. I feel like we're in good company. Are they, like, with us right now? Are you saying ghosts? Like, we got poltergeist shit going on, or what? No, once I touch the staff, I swear, like, they're all just trapped in that head. You know, Potix also hated the magistrate, and look how that turned out. True, but these guys are more like... I don't, I don't know if I can repeat what they're saying. Um, They want to d- destroy the magistrate entirely. They don't want to, like, take over the world. You feel me? Uh-huh. Sebastian, as an action, you can summon a guardian of Berndarium. Yo! This guardian goes on your turn and can only take an action or a bonus action on each turn. When you activate it, you will roll a d6. There are five spirits in total inside of this. They are all based on our patrons who were playing in our other patron biannual one-shot. Yo! Excellent. I knew it. Did they die? One of them did during the session. But the other four died later. (laughs) So as you roll a d6, and Ryan, I will send this stat block over to you. On a one, you cast spiritual weapon. So you get the benefit of casting spiritual weapon. It looks like a talking warhammer. On a two, there is a goblin celestial warlock. On a three, there is a goblin beast barbarian. A four, a goblin sorcerer. A five, a halfling rogue with a bow who is dressed as a goblin. (laughs) And finally, on six, you cast spirit guardians. And it's all five of them protecting you. Bruh. That's sick. Yo, thank you guys. So we had two groups this time because our walk of famers have grown. So we had two groups of five. So one of them burnt a tramp stamp into a large forged that they had deemed Mordecai. So that is Mordecai's tramp stamp. The other ones, this is the dead goblin who perished during our one shot, whose head was staked onto a staff so that you can summon all of them. Jesus. And in this bag is a bunch of platinum, gold, and gems. And it's all a little dirty with an oil-like substance on it. It looks to be about 1,900 gold worth. Clean oh boy. What? How uh, how deep is this bag, by the way? I was gonna say, and Blueberry reaches her hand in and it goes way farther than she expected. <laughs> <laughs> so what's that? 475 each. Split it up now, people. Damn, that more than doubled. Yeah, same. Yep. Do we want to wash this off a little bit? Nope. <laughs> Kidding. Yeah, of course we do. Can't have oily coins jangling in my pockets. Anyway. One man's trash is another man's treasure. Am I right? Let's go. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, Keith. Bye, Keith. Peace out, Keith. And you guys head out and you finally see the sun again. It's about midday. And on your way back, I'm assuming, Blueberry, you would like to retrieve your ring and go find those hot springs, correct? Yeah. (sighs) It is very easy with Blueberry guiding you all because she knows exactly where this is she's able to find just the right path and it seems very simple to go back and find it yeah more hot spring time oh put the coins in that'll clean them off maybe it'll loosen up my shoulder a little more you guys all jump in the hot springs get relaxing a little bit sebastian your sending stone falls out of your bag and you can see that right now There's a light glow that's pulsing on it. Is someone calling me? Did you get a text? It almost looks like someone's left you a message. He got a text! Hello? I'm going to pick it up and put my passcode in, which is 6969. (laughs) (laughs) And listen to my message. You've reached the Sending Stone voicemail of... Sebastian Bombaldi Greenspan! Please leave a message at the tone. Well, options, if you still call yourselves that, I have some news. We found Pojin. That all went well, but there's some terrible things that happened along the way. The king is dead. 
and not by my hand. His lessons were going well, even had him untied for a few days, but we were constantly being followed by the keeper and his demonic beast. No matter what we did, we could not break the scent trail. That thing could follow us for miles. We found refuge near the Evergem with Pojin for not but a day. He lives in an iceberg just outside the encampment. It almost looks like a wave. The top seems to swirl and curl in on itself almost unnaturally, though I do not know if that matters anymore. The keeper and his hound attacked us in Pojin's home. King Thuridin was untied at the moment. As the beast leapt for the queen, the king got in between the hound and her. He suffered a large bite to his abdomen. As I summoned Umbral and grabbed my blade, all of a sudden we were no longer in Pojin's home. Pojin had transported us. Somewhere. I am not sure where we are. I have never seen trees this purple before, nor grass this blue. We arrived here, Umbral, the Queen, and I, to discover King Thuridan bleeding out at our feet. I do not know what happened to Pojin, nor the Keeper and his beast, but the King is dead. Be wary. That thing can follow sense to the end of Fendrea. I only hope that shifting planes was enough to save us from being hunted. Good luck, options. You may need it. Uh, I'm kind of holding it up to listen as if it were a voicemail. My jaw just starts dropping slowly. My face gets a little white. And then I will hold it out and kind of like cup it to like put it on speaker. Guys, I think you need to listen to this. And I'll let it play one more time. Yo, what? Is that thing coming after us now? A hound? This this can't be real. Did wait, hold up, hold up. Did he say he's on a different plane now? Uh, yeah, Adderwolf like isn't on Fendrea anymore. Blue grass, purple trees. I mean, I've been there before, but like, I don't think I could get there now. <laughs> wait, Pojin has the ability to transport people to different planes. Oh, shit. Right, that was the point that I was going to bring up just a second ago. Uh, Yo, we got to go find this, like, wave glacier. He went north, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did they go towards Evergem? The Evergem is in the very, very northwest. But would, would he still even be there? How do we know how long ago this message came in, too? When was the last time you looked at your phone? I haven't needed to for a while. We've all been together and... God, I don't... I can't even keep track of time here. How long has it been since we've seen Edwolf? Maybe like a week or so? We should go, right? Like, we, we should go yeah. see if Pojin's okay, I guess. That's what I'm worried about. Is he still even there? Is he still even alive? I guess we would be heading straight at the Hound, but we'd be flying, so... Oh, I could use the ballista. Do you think Edwolf, Umbral, and the Queen are going to be okay? What if they can't find their way back, too? Oh, no. I won't be able to text him back. No, you can do it. It works across planes. Does it? I mean, he sent it from there. Oh, you're right. What, what should we say back? Uh, you dead? Question mark? Maybe, maybe see if we can at least get some sort of pinpoint on where he was. I know he said something about the weird spirally glacier, but maybe at least a, a better understanding of where he was when he got taken. I mean, all that we know is the glacier. Ask for directions from, from Evergem? Yeah. The Hound is still going to be looking for them, right? I don't think they're going to be looking for us. That's true. Uh, if it can't go to another plane, we're probably next. Would they even have anything to know our scent? Did we leave anything behind for them? Blood. Blood. Yeah. Oh. We got a little fucked up in that dungeon. We did. So what what are we going to do now? I think we should go find Pojin. Because if he can send someone to another plane... Making sure that he's okay and alive is probably the best way for us to know we can get home. I mean, we got some info on the magistrate. I know we were supposed to go to the mountains, but I guess we could look in the journal more. What do we know about Pojin? Something about the queen. Oh yeah, he was he was like healing the queen when she was sick. She she was like a had a debilitating illness as a child. And remember that oh. that weird operating table, like, way, way below the castle? Oh, yeah. Yeah. She got that big old scar down her belly? Yeah. yeah. All right, well, why don't we hop on, hop on the ship, get back there, and then we'll take to the skies, and we can, uh, we can read up on the way. Mm-hmm. Formulate a plan. Yeah, we still gotta go through this journal. 
We gotta recollect. We we really gotta think about what we're gonna do here. I, I can prepare the locate creature spell for Pojin. Yeah, yeah, let's get on it. That that that's probably gonna be our best bet right now. Will that work if you've never seen him before? I think I have to have seen him. Wait, 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 the hound. Someone someone from the castle told someone to go get the hound. Did some did we know who was hunting Adderwolf with the hound? The keeper? The keeper! Can't you locate him? We don't want to find him. Well, if we find him, we find Pojin. He could still be there. All right, let's head that way. I, I feel like Claude probably knows where the Evergem is, right? He's, he's a smart dude. He's been everywhere. He's made of wind. <laughs> what more do you need? <laughs> All right, everybody, let's take five. This episode of Cast Party is sponsored by Podcorn. We have been personally using Podcorn and wanted to take a second to chat with you guys about it. Listen, if you run a podcast, or if you're even thinking of starting a podcast, you need to sign up for Podcorn. So Podcorn is an online marketplace connecting podcasters with amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities, such as pre-roll and mid-roll ads like this one, topical discussions, interviews, giveaways, and so, so much more. It has been incredibly easy to pop on the site, see what sponsorships are available, and submit my pitch to them for Cast Party. Podcorn makes it truly simple to find podcast sponsors that fit you and your show. And the best part? There is no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities that are right for them directly on the platform. You never have to give up rights to your show, and Podcorn is with you every step of the way to ensure you're not only protected, but properly compensated for the work that you do for brands. You work hard to produce your podcast, just like we do. So keep your creative freedom and have full control of how and when you monetize your show. Click the link in the show notes to sign up for Podcorn and start browsing for your very own sponsorship opportunities. Thank you so, so much again to Podcorn for their continued support. And if you're a podcaster, you need to click that link down below. Quiet on set. We're rolling in three, two, one. Action! It doesn't take too, too long to get back to the airship. You climb up the ladder to the deck of the ship. And as you enter, Claude, of course, is there. Welcome back, Options. I am so glad to see you, and after only a day, this is a wonderful turn of events. I told you we wouldn't leave forever. Yeah. Did you have a wonderful time in Berndarium? Surprisingly, yeah. Sure. It's a wonderful place. Hey, we made we made a really good friend, and I feel like that's way more important than the patricide. Oh, right. It's the friends we make along the way. Yeah, not the fathers we kill when we get there. <laughs> Is it patricide if you kill someone else's father? If it's just a, a father, is it patricide? I think so. Okay. So, Claude Daddy, do you know how to get to the Evergem? I was going to ask, where are we off to next? Well, there, if you know how to get there. Wonderful. We shall make our way to the Evergem. Do you have a course you'd like to take or just straight there? North. Straight but safe? Straight there but safe. Yeah. yeah. But fast. That would give us a wonderful view of Cordalra. Okay. okay. Oh, that's where the people see the future. Well, they think they'll see the future. I'm oh. just going off of what I was told. They read the mountains. Oh, yeah. Not read in the mountains. Okay, got it. Most people will be in awe. They have not seen one of these in a very long time. They're not going to shoot us down, right? Uh-oh. I don't know. What? Okay, let's go around. Yeah, maybe we have to go around some of these regions. Uh, so maybe not a beeline straight to north to the Evergem? Serpentine pattern. I can avoid Cordaldra, and then we should be straight sailing until we get to the Evergem. Okay. All right, let's hit it. Would you like to park right at the Evergem or outside? Outside. outside. Yeah, maybe a little outside. Would you like to leave now? Yeah. Yes. Whenever you're ready. It will take about an hour to get into the air. Okay. Claude goes up to the top of the airship and begins their little ritual. What would you like to do in the meantime? <sighs> Relax. <laughs> Can we take a uh, closer look at the book? Make sure there's nothing that we missed. Kind of skim over it. Oh, yeah. We got magistrate info, right? 
Potix gave you the book that he had taken a long time ago, as well as before you had left, uh, you had grabbed multiple, multiple books from the magistrate that they had left at the fire pit. So you have multiple books here. As you're kind of looking through, the first one that seems important is about the takeover of Berndarium. This seems like an older book. The magistrate theorized they could create a singular force that would control all of the forged and they could use them as a mobile army. They wanted to tuck this army away into a pocket plane that could be expelled out whenever. Because the forged are mechanical in nature, they require no food or water. It would be the smallest, most mobile army in history. In the very back of this book is a picture of a dagger with a purple gem as the blade that has these dark purple roots coming from the bottom that kind of encircle the dagger and go into the gem. Whoa, I want it. That looks sick. (laughs) Blueberry especially, you know that multiple of the magistrate that you have seen have had gems that are similar to this including the staff you have right now, has the ice blue gem that has the darker blue gem-like roots that encircle it and go in, as well as the tip of the keeper's glaive has a red gem with that same kind of root-like structure. Continuing reading, the magistrate's problems came when they weren't able to create anything that would control all of the forged at once. They found out it was kind of based on the metals and the lava that were used to create each forge. All of the different factories on Forged Row used a different combination of metals, and the composition of the lava was different. They would need to create many forge to control them all. So they abandoned Berndarium for the time being. They wanted to come back if they were able to create something that can control all of the forge at once. Another book looks a little bit newer. It shows that some progress was made to be able to control more of the forge through a single person. Their tests were failures for the most part. They could control small groups of forge at once, but they were useless as weapons or soldiers. Their primary functions weren't to be destruction based. They were farmers. They were smiths. They were crafters or cleaners. So this book describes the next step of the process being to find their creator and force them to create forge that were specifically made for combat. A small set of magistrate artificers set out to a place known as Drifton to find Potix P. Coguar. It described their need for stealth and disguises as this would be the first contact the magistrate would have with the former people of Berndarium ever since the Grand Exodus. They did not want to spark a war or more anger if they could help it. It kind of described what they were doing. It didn't exactly describe why they needed this mobile army. But one book you have is padlocked shut. It looks like a journal from some sort of high-ranking official of the magistrate. Can I try to open that with the lockpicking kit? Give me a sleight of hand check. And add your proficiency. A 19. You are able to pop it open. (sighs) Noise. As you're reading, Xander, this journal definitely has the most important information you have found so far. It describes not only the how of the mobile army, it describes the why. This army was to be deployed at a special event during the middle of it to cause chaos with very specific points that they wanted to hit. This army was to be deployed during the wedding of Princess Velaspian to Prince Thuridan. A rogue magistrate member would rip open a portal to a pocket dimension, and the forge would flood the venue and attack. The magistrate guards would be there to save as many people as they could from the crowd. Queen Valesa and King Vindrian would be killed during the attack, while Desideria and the Keeper would be there to save the prince and princess. She would then convince the princess that magic is indeed the root of all evil as it had killed her mother and get the backing of Valorith for the magistrate. The last words you see on this page are end phase two, begin phase three. Mm. What? Ah. And on the very back cover of this journal, 
is a group of symbols in a very specific pattern. So it sounds like they weren't able to accomplish this, so they did what they did with the Bone Daddy and all the other bony boys. But now we have it in writing. I don't know who's going to believe it, but... What do the symbols look like? Give me Arcana. 21. These symbols are a mixture. Xander, this kind of has to do with your being able to read everything. They don't look like symbols you would recognize, but it almost feels like you still understand them. They don't really have meanings in common or in English. They don't have direct translations. So as you're reading them, as you're seeing them, you kind of feel like you're emitting specific emotions when you look at them. So these basically runes are a way of describing certain emotions. When you're looking at it, it feels like a codex of some sort. It almost feels like this is the answer or a password. All right. All right. Uh, So I can't read this. Normally I can read everything, but like this feels like it's definitely important. Like it feels like like this might get us in somewhere. We got to remember this bunch of scribbles and hieroglyphics and whatever else just keep that in the brain no one forget that it's there and then we can use this to get in somewhere you could always take a picture of it too take a picture of all of the most damning pages about the wedding and take a picture of the symbols Ooh, true 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 just in case for some reason we lost these or anything you know so it's like a password that's what it feels like interesting so i'll take a picture of all of the different things Every page number that was written at the bottom says Blightmore. Okay. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) As you guys have been doing this, you feel the airship lifts just about a quarter of a foot. Feels like it is indeed ready to take off. (sighs) Well, that's good timing, I guess. Damn it, now I have nothing to do on the flight. Take a nap. Sebastian, go do your pirate stuff. Don't shoot any ballistas. (sighs) But it's scary when it's up there and we're, we're moving real fast. Are you a pirate or not? Oh, um, I put on my pirate hat and I go upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> I stay down here. Reluctantly, Sebastian heads upstairs. This time, Sebastian helps Cloud by removing the immovable rod, moving the sails up and everything so you guys can start heading towards the north. It takes a very long time. Cloud actually warns you that it's going to be like six to eight hours to get anywhere near the Evergem, which would mean it's probably going to be about nighttime when you get there. But after a while, it gets very cloudy or up inside the clouds. It is very, very cold. If you're on deck, especially Sebastian, uh, after a while, you probably notice that it is probably much better to be underneath. Yeah, I, I probably would have stayed up for, like, maybe half an hour just to, like, prove to Blueberry that I'm not a wimp and, <laughs> and I can still do pirate things, and then I would go back down and, and start warming up. So from here, it looks like you guys are on a layer of clouds just going north. Can't really see a lot below you. Is there anything you would like to do while you guys are on the ship? Can I try to just stretch my shoulder out some? Try to see if it'll feel better after giving it like an hour or two of working on it. Yeah, give me medicine. Let, let me try to help you. Here. All right, all right. Come over like this couch or something. Let me let me try to help massage it, figure out what's going on. See if I can feel what's happening and work it out. Does he have scales? I got a 21 on my medicine check. Can I roll? Yeah, go ahead. I rolled a 24. Blueberry, you're looking at it, and it's like, yeah, things feel weird, but nothing necessarily feels dangerous or wrong. Like, it doesn't feel like this is hurting him. And the main thing you see that right now, the skin looks very white. Almost like when you're out in the cold too long and your fingers start to turn a little bit white. And it almost feels like he's just very muscular and tense in that area. This doesn't feel uncomfortable? It's just weird? It, yeah, it's strange. I haven't really had this before. It, like, it's just, it's tight? I don't know. Stiff? But does it hurt? Not really. Huh. 
I don't know, maybe I pulled a muscle or something? You'd think it would hurt. You have full range of motion? I, I think so, yeah. It seems like I, I do. I'll just go through my full range of motion in my shoulder. You have that full range of motion. Even if you're holding something heavy, you're able to move it perfectly fine right now. I'm going to try to smack him in the shoulder blade, like hard. Give me an attack roll. Over 20. Oh, ow! Jet, you feel that. Like, you feel it even in that area that feels weird. You feel that pain. What the hell was that for? I just, I wanted to see, maybe it was like tougher skin and you wouldn't get hurt. Any, I don't know. It didn't work. Sorry. I mean, it's still there. It still hurts. Isn't it pink now? Okay, I'm sorry. Ow. It was an experiment. Well, just give me a heads up next time. Okay, I'm, I'm going to cast uh, Cure Wounds first level. <laughs> You're better. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on. Out to your west, you can see the sun is indeed setting. It is pretty bright up here with how bright the moons are. But even with this out to the north, you can see a bright orange red glow down on the surface. And you hear from up top. So where shall we descend? Oh, someone else do it this time. I didn't do well. Wait, there's a there's a big glow down there. Are there any binoculars or anything on the ship that we can kind of look down more? Actually, I think you, Jet, you took a spyglass a long time ago from those people in Valorith. Okay, yeah, I'll take my spyglass out. I want to I wanna take a look down, see if there's a bigger clearing, but I also want to investigate that glow a little bit more. Cloud stops the forward momentum of the ship and then slowly starts letting some air out. You're trying to look. It's just very cloudy. It's just past dust now where there's like just the slightest orange glow. As you start descending down the cloud line, Jet, you can see with your spyglass a giant floating orange-red crystal floating just about 15 feet off the ground. But this thing is 60 foot tall, 40 foot wide, and you can see all around it, no snow. The Evergem. Imagine how many souls are in that one. I know crystals. Do I, like, feel a particular energy other than maybe just hot from this? I will allow you to roll Arcana with disadvantage now, or you can wait till you're closer and roll regular Arcana. I'll wait. Cloud brings you guys down below the cloud line. Who was going up to help? I was looking to see if there was, like, a better clearing or or something of that nature to, to land. Yes. So, Jet, you can see that from where you guys are, it actually looks like this area, it looks like the Evergem is to the north. And you guys are just to the southeast of it right now. There is these cliffs that almost flank a pathway on the west and on the east. So you could easily walk through the valley all the way to the Evergem, or you could try to walk along the cliffs. So we can either travel through the valley or around the side of it higher up. Yes. All right, guys, we got we got two options. Let's let's vote on it. Do we want to travel more like right through the heart of the valley or do we want to try to go through the side of it up higher a little bit? Maybe get a better vantage point up there, too. The valley underneath is definitely way more well-traveled. It looks like that is the majority of people who go to the Evergem take that road. But to you, from up where you are, neither looks necessarily dangerous or safer than the other. All I see is two paths. Uh, I mean, one's looking like it's pretty well-worn out. Uh, I think a lot of people are going through there. The other one, not so much, but they don't look bad. Well, we want to hide. We should hide the ship, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We don't. We don't want to be seen in this. Maybe we park up top where less people will be. What do you boys think? No, that sounds good. Probably safer. Little struggle way down, but at least we'll be hidden. We could rope down. Oh, yeah. So you're looking for a place to park the ship up top? Yes. yes. Who is doing the looking? I guess I am, seeing as I have the spyglass. You can do perception or survival. Your choice. I'll take perception. I got a 19 you're able to find a nice little area where not only are you like up on this cliffy area, but it's almost like another valley on the other side of the cliffs. There's these big icebergy type things that hide the airship a little bit. 
but you are able to stop and get out of the airship just fine. Wait, it's dark. Should we should we maybe rest up for the night and go in the morning? I don't know. I mean, do we have the time? We've been awake all day. I'm not saying like we shouldn't rush, but we don't want to fall asleep in the middle of the ravine. We did rest at the hot springs real quick. Oh, true. That rejuvenated me. All right, yeah, I'm good. Let's go. I think we should go now. As long as this isn't like a 12-hour endeavor, hopefully it just takes an hour or two and we can come back and sleep. Time's kind of ticking right now. How long are are we going to be down there, do you think? Maybe we have him just try to stay at the ready? I I don't know if it's going to like expend most most of his energy, how long he can hold this. Mm. I don't think anything's going to be here. I mean, the gem would be cool to look at, but I don't have hopes that Pojin is still going to be here. That's just me. If we want to have him at the ready, we can. At least, like, like kind of like his hover state, you know? Uh, maybe we should just ask him real quick. What would you like? Uh, how you doing? You you feeling okay? Are you tired? You 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 need a rest? Um, how how are you? I'm doing well. It's so nice to have you options here. Yeah. Oh, the, we, we're, you know, the best options you ever had. How long you think you could, you know, like stay like this, maybe? Like at the ready. Yeah. You know, could could you be at the ready for, I don't know, a few hours, maybe a day? If you leave the rod here, I should be okay to keep the balloons filled for maybe a day. Okay. Okay. I guess if, if you are okay with staying at the ready for us. Of course. Yeah, I don't think I see a downside to that other than maybe someone happening upon the ship and seeing that it's functioning. Well, you guys want to head out then? I'm ready. All right, who wants to lead the way? Onward. I can see in the dark and I'll start walking. You want to take the the spyglass too? Maybe look out at those icebergs? Ahoy. Uh, Can I have the spyglass, please? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll collapse the telescoped spyglass and hand it to Xander. And I will uncollapse it <laughs> and just walk with it on my eye. <laughs> <laughs> that would be difficult walking. Oh, yeah. Jeff's perception would be so goofy. <laughs> I can either see far away or up close and instead of having it be both. Can you see the icebergs from here? Can I see any icebergs from where we are with the spyglass? Right where you guys are now, especially since you're not in the air, you don't have as good of a vantage point. And if you re-listened to Adawolf's message, you kind of saw that it was right outside where the Evergem village encampment is. You would probably need to get closer to that village to see. Okay. Onward. Are you trying to... Get down into the ravine or walk along top the ravine. Now you can see that it's like a good 40 feet down, but you could also walk along the ravine. Along since we're up here? I I guess. What if we have to get down, though? Well, it's got to level out eventually, right? I don't know if it slopes or just ends in a cliff. (laughs) I could walk down. It's all good. Let's go. I'll start walking along the cliff side, I guess, like up top. You start moving, you guys aren't as fast, because it's cold. There is some snow coverage here. You see a few different things. Down in the ravine, you can see on the eastern wall, there is a entrance to a cave of some sort. This area definitely does not look well-traveled. It looks like people tend to avoid the entrance to this cave. You continue up along that eastern ridge. There's that glow, that beautiful ambery glow from the Evergem. But as you're moving closer, you see there is the glow of torches. You're not quite at the village yet. This is a good couple hundred feet away from the village. Couple thousand feet away from the Evergem itself. You can see that there are people lined in the ridge as well as up on the cliffs. You can hear someone as you guys are walking along this ridge. Halt! Identify yourselves! Uh, where, where are the options? You can see these people ahead of you. 
and one gets on one knee and is pointing a crossbow at you, while the others move closer with a torch. No reinforcements were called. Uh, um, we're cartographers, and we're trying to map the Evergem. Then why did you not take the civilian pathway? Do you not know how to read common? There's a civilian pathway? I knew we should have gone through the valley. Uh, no, I, unfortunately, no, I never learned how to read. And uh, frankly, I'm a little offended that you'd bring that up so so quickly and curtly. How'd you know my name? <laughs> I'm, I'm so I'm so sorry, Mr. Quick. I just no, it's curtly. I'm sorry. That's my bad, bro. Um, sorry. We got off on the wrong foot. We traveled by the seat of our pants, and and we just we followed our hearts because the maps weren't there yet. That's what we're here for. So I could we didn't see any signs, and not that I could read them if we did. Um, but I promised we mean no harm. You will need to report to Commander Redstream. Redstream? You got to get that checked. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, okay, sure, sure. We, we, that, we, that's Gucci. And he starts moving closer to you. He does not have a weapon out right now. He's only holding a torch. And he actually gestures to the guy behind him. And the guy stands up, puts the crossbow away. This man that walks up to you is a half-elven man. He's got a little tiny bit of scruff just on his chin. He looks really young. He looks like he's trying to prove himself almost by trying to be super aggressive and everything. He walks over and he pulls out some rope as well as a stake. Rappel down. How far down is it? 42 feet. Oh, that's not bad. Okay. He walks over to the edge and he yells down into the ravine. Red stream. There are cartographers here. You need to speak with them. You rappel down this human man, pretty tall, like 5'11", very square face. He goes, cartographers? Hi. What's good? How you doing? You may not be here right now. What? No one may visit the Evergem right now. Is there an issue? A member of our order was murdered. <gasps> oh. Whoa. Who? His name was Pojin. And for today, that's a wrap. <gasps> no. Told you guys. No. What? Thank you all so much for listening. You gotta tell him, Colin. You gotta tell him. You haven't said it in a while. Uh, go to Patreon, bitch. That's where you belong. And <laughs> it's where you can find the best community on the internet. Come join us and you can yell at me. You can call me a bitch if you join our Discord. <laughs> we love you. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. The winners for the Thomas Sanders Guest Adventurer giveaway are here. But first, who do you want to see on Cast Party next? Be sure to let us know on any and all of our social medias at Cast Party DND. And now, on to the winners. Our bronze prize winner is Ebab Flow. Our silver prize winner is Sidster. Our gold prize winner is Scaredy Cat. And the winner of our platinum prize goes to REC. Congratulations, everyone. We'll be in touch with all of the contest winners this week to get you your goodies. And remember, we do these giveaways for every single guest we have on the show. So be sure to let us know who you'd like to see join the cast and crew. See ya! I have special eyes. My brand. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Yes, get down there and speak with Red Street. What idiots, eh, St. E. Love? Not even walking down the civilian pathway. Must be amateur cartographers. We have already had the best come through. Eric Five marked every single rock here for weeks. Best map we've ever had. Yes, I know Ebab Flow accidentally spilled some of Wartorn Knight's famous red berry tea on it, but hey, you can still read around a third of the map. Do you remember when we had that other cartographer, Jesky Fire, come by? She thought she could go down Konat Cave and come back alive. Ash even bet me 20 silver she'd make it back. I drank well that night. Sean de Jesus was pouring them real heavy for me. He was trying to get me drunk enough to try my luck at gambling with New York. I know they were working together. But Dubward ended up being the one to lose all his gold to her, so better for me. 
Lord Asselberg was trying to get me to play this new game, too. But we all know I will only play Bag's Pyramid. Isawick taught me that one when I was young. I'm not as good as Jeff the Milkman, but I think he might be using loaded dice again. Lady Lorax swears she caught him cheating one time and switching out his dice. But even when Lexi was watching him real close, he kept winning. Might be luck, might be cheating.